Our story is one of mystery and revelation. I think they've got something of mystery, you know, in the way it's been told in, in some of our groups there. And there's many questions that we could have, many questions about this story. I know I'm waiting for a question to come through from the group at the back there. Whether David's phone will eventually send it or not, I don't know. But uh, he'll uh, maybe ask me another way. But the, there's questions about where is Emmaus? Say seven miles? Well, that's what it says in the NIV, but it actually depends on which old bit of manuscript your Bible translators pick up. And it might be far further than that. There, there's a number of places are thought of as being Emmaus. There's the question about Cleopas. Jesus chooses him to be a witness on this day of resurrection. But who is he? He gets named once. And that's it. We don't hear who he actually is. We don't know anymore. He obviously is close to the disciples. He knows what's happened that morning. He's able to tell Jesus everything that's happened. He's able to go back to Jerusalem and find them. So he knows where their secret hideout is, the room where they have shut themselves in. But yet we don't know anything about him. We don't know anything about his friend either. Is it Mrs. Cleopas? I've heard that suggested in the past. Is it a good friend? Is it somebody else that he's not related to? that just happens to come from the same village. And then, of course, we might say, it's been the festival. Cleopas and his friend have been away from home, if Emmaus is their home, for some time. They've journeyed all day long. And then as they share a meal... Jesus breaks bread. But where does the bread come from? Is this freshly baked? Does it come from the village? You know, where, where did these come from? To understand the passage, we don't need to know these questions. We don't need answers. And quite often we ask questions, going, well, what is all this? I really want to know it. But actually, Luke's put down what we need to discover. And he's the, the only gospel writer that really goes into any depth on this. There's a couple of verses in Mark, at the end of Mark's gospel, which kind of relate to this account. It says that there were a couple of folk walking in the country that say they met Jesus and came back to Jerusalem, but nobody believed them. You know, that's it. Boom. That's it. Over. Whereas Luke gives us this really detailed account. And he reveals that the people on the road knew the story of that day. 
They knew that Jesus had died, that he'd been buried, that he had risen, that he'd been seen, that the tomb was empty. The angel had said, Jesus is risen. And so, they were walking slowly, hopelessly, confused, heading out into the world, not really believing, not really trusting in what the women had said they had encountered. They give facts, but they don't have faith. They don't see the picture. And they tell it. They tell the story, but they don't get it. You know, and uh, in our churches, in our lives, do we tell the story in a way that will help other people get it, will help other people hear it, will help people understand and take it as their own. As children of Abraham, they'd heard everything before. They'd grown up with the Exodus. They'd just marked the Passover. They would be aware of the words of the prophets and the hope of the coming Messiah, but they don't see Jesus. They simply don't see Jesus. But Jesus brings it together for them. And he tells the whole story. He tells the story not starting at the cross. Not starting in the garden of Gethsemane. Not starting earlier in the week at Palm Sunday. Not starting at his birth in Bethlehem or at his baptism. But he goes way back. He goes back to Moses and says, this is the story you know the story, and he gets them to, to hear it, to think again about people being released from captivity, about God continually showing his love, about God reaching out again and again and again, but not responding. We need to repent and put our trust in him. The people have an appreciation of who Jesus is. Not simply, as it says in verse 19, a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. They start to understand something about who Jesus was always intended to be from the time as it first began. But even with that knowledge, they do not recognize him. We might love to be. I wonder, when we asked the question earlier, what do you like to read? Who wrote down the Bible? Oh, excellent. Well done. But, you know, do you like to read the Bible? Do we like to read the story that's there that tells us of God's love? You know, do we like to read the words of the songs that we've been singing 
That was something different tonight. I had a new song. Yet again, you know, I love it. New song. I felt it was almost a bit of a cowboy twang in there. But, uh, you know, something new, something different. What are the words that we experience? What do we see with our eyes? These people still have veiled eyes. It's set out before them. But sometimes people see Jesus simply as a story from the past. They don't realize that he's alive with us today. And we need to tell that story. So it's been this walk. And the folk are downtrodden. They're glum. But they say, you know, it's nearly... It's nearly night time. Come, be with us. Night time's a time when there's danger, when you might be attacked. And Cleopas and his friend encourage, strongly encourage. They're persistent in saying to him, Come, be with us. Don't be silly. Don't go on. Be with us. Come, eat, spend the night. And it reminds me of the words of Jesus in the parable of the sheep and the goats. Matthew 25, verse 35. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Isn't that what happens to Jesus at this time. They say, come. We don't really know who you are, but they show love towards him. They encourage him strongly. And then, having encouraged him and shown love towards him, he takes this bread from wherever. And he shares a meal. And we were given the four steps. When I was at theological college, training to be a minister, you know, these are the four steps clearly set out, all put into one passage. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. That's what we do at communion. We take, bless, break, share. He takes the ordinary in a normal, everyday activity and does something sacramental. He makes his presence known. And in that experience, at that moment that he is revealed, he disappears. Jesus is present. This is known, and he's gone. But they do know it was him. And so, the story at this time really comes alive, doesn't it? The story comes alive. And it's, it still does come alive as new people hear the gospel. And the story is told and it suddenly clicks, 
suddenly connect, there's the same revelation. The colors seem brighter. The heart is warmed. John Wesley recorded that emotion, didn't he? I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. So we've seen loving action, the word being shared, and sacrament. And whatever church we belong, whatever denomination, whatever place we go to, these things are all present in some way. But there's a fourth element. And it's the fourth one that we sometimes forget. We have to go and tell. It's all right coming here or round the corner on a Sunday or some other time during the week. It's all right to go wherever our place of worship is. But we also have to go out and tell. Cleopas had been forceful in encouraging the stranger to spend the night. It's night time. It's dangerous out there. Don't go on. Don't go anywhere. But now, him and his friend head out. They head out into the darkness. They head out into the place of danger. They head out into the place where there is sin. They go to tell the story. And that's what we have to do. At the end of the night, when we've sang our last song, when we've maybe stayed for refreshments a bit more, we have to go out into the night. And we go, not simply to go home, but we go to go and tell our story. At this time, on Easter Day, He went to tell those that had already known something. People like him that knew of Jesus but really didn't quite get the picture yet. Sometimes we have to do that. But there's another part too. Because at Pentecost, 50 days later, the church becomes equipped with the Holy Spirit to go and tell everyone what the good news is. To show love and tell of our hope. They arrived back in Jerusalem. And the comment is, it is true. Others have seen him too. The story is confirmed. And the different accounts of resurrection, the encounters that have been seen by women, by Peter, by the eleven in the locked room, by Cleopas and his friend, and by others, build up and build up. And it becomes a common story. 
not isolated to one, one person, not to two people on the road to Emmaus, not to 11 in a room. It is the story for the church, a common story, such that whatever denomination we're from or independent church, we are part of one church, that of the risen Lord. We might express our stories differently, but it is a true story, a common story. Common in fact, one of sins forgiven and the offer of eternal life. So let us be people that praise the risen Lord and declare what he has done.